the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Innovators Network. Welcome to the Heart of Innovation. 60 minutes that can save life and limb with new breakthrough ideas and innovation changing the healthcare landscape. Brought to you by patient advocacy group, thewaytomyheart.org. In partnership with Cardiovascular System Incorporated's patient advocacy campaign, Take a Stand Against Amputation. Here are your hosts for the Heart of Innovation, Emmy Award-winning journalist and founder of The Way to My Heart, Kim McNicholas, and interventional cardiologist and founder of the Save My Piggies Health Education Series, Dr. John Phillips. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the show. We have a really interesting show today because a couple of years ago, I was literally at my wits and wondering Am I going to die? Because every single time I would sit down for a meal, I would end up short of breath. I would end up dizzy and I would have my heart racing and I couldn't figure out why. We do have a history of heart disease in my family. My mom had an aneurysm. My younger brother has a you know, genetic defect with it, structurally with his heart as well as an aneurysm. So I'm thinking the worst. And so I end up first, because I also have asthma, at my pulmonologist. He said, it's not your asthma. I end up going to the cardiologist. The cardiologist said, that is not your heart. You must have allergies. You need to go to an allergist. And that's when I met Nurse Janara Iman Thomas at a local medical center in Marin County, small Marin County, just north of the Golden Gate Bridge in the San Francisco Bay Area in California. And she has made a huge difference in my life. I can actually sit down and enjoy a meal. I'm not wondering whether I'm going to die with my heart racing and can't breathe anymore. And it was, in fact, allergies. So I wanted to bring her on the show to talk about if this is some grander problem, if she sees this all the time. Um, And also, since we have you, John, an interventional cardiologist, I wanted to get your thoughts on the whole thing and if you've ever seen anything like it and if I'm just one of those anomalies. (laughs) Well, um, you know, you're probably, uh, let's just end it here. You're probably just that anomaly. Uh, No. Um, (laughs) Happy, uh, happy Saturday. Um, Looking forward to the show. You know, I was just thinking as I was doing some prepping, you know, usually I can hold my own during the conversations of these shows. I mean, I'm not a surgeon, so we have surgeons on and, you know, obviously we have uh, we professionals and experts from various medical, you know, angles. But this I know very little about. So I am going to be probably asking a lot of questions and doing a lot of listening here. But I am excited to uh, to get this show kicked off and uh, looking forward to where this conversation goes. So let's kick things off with a few words of wisdom. <laughs> Dr. John Phillips, spectacular, vascular moment of inspiration. Yes. Um, lately, I've been into World War II uh, history. So I'm reading a book about D-Day. 
And uh, the Allied commander was Dwight Eisenhower, who subsequently became U.S. president. So I was looking for an interesting quote from him. Um, and, and you know, the reason I'm bringing up a quote about leadership, and I don't want to get off onto a tangent, but in the world that I live in and, Kim, the sandbox that you play in, um, of late there's been talk, and we talked about it last week, about uh, the number of procedures that patients who, who have PAD are receiving um, and, you know, whether or not, they should be done in the hospital or someplace else and, and who should be doing them. And, and I think it just, and a lot of people have a lot of thoughts about it. And this is when you need a, a good leader um, to kind of help navigate uh, this, this minefield, so to speak. And so Dwight D. Eisenhower is quoted to, to saying about leadership that the supreme quality for leadership is unquestionably integrity. Without it, no real success is possible, no matter whether it is on a section gang, a football field, in an army, or in an office. So in our my field, um, we need some good leaders to emerge uh, and, and always be advocating for what's right for the patient and doing what we can to help them have great quality of life, uh, whether it's with PAD or, or any other cardiovascular illness or any other medical illness. So just some food for thought there. It's so interesting because as you look through the history of medicine, you have so many different um, doctors in so many different fields that ended up innovating in a field not even their own. I think that it was a urologist that ended up doing um, the first heart cath on himself with one of the catheters used in urology. And so, you know, well, he was a he was a surgical resident or maybe he was a surgeon, but he went into urology because I think he got blacklisted for doing what no. he did. Yes. <laughs> but 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 you're right. I mean, yeah. Well, we you know we we uh, you know what necessity is the mother of all invention, right? And so we we kind of talked about that in another show. And uh, again, I think we all have a lot of thoughts about what has gone on the last couple of weeks about our our field and particularly people with critical limb ischemia. But at the end of the day, I think we all those of us that that do this a lot want to help patients. And I can tell you, this week we had a lot of patients. Uh, in fact, there was a, a lady that I have worked on now probably six times, and I do not like doing multiple procedures on patients because you just worry about the complications and things going poorly. She's 87 years old. She's um, sorry. She she is um, uh, just kind of struggling with this. She's had stents put in and they keep blocking off because they kind of put them in a place where they probably shouldn't. And we've opened her up and we just haven't really had a good durable response for her. And and finally, this time I said, you know what, we're going to give it one last shot. And you know what I'm going to do after this? I'm going to get some blood flow and then I'm going to send you to one of our vascular surgeons so that maybe they can see you for a bypass. And so I hope that works. But, uh, you know, she asked me to continue to she asked me to help her and I didn't want to because I just felt like I, the risk was you know, maybe, you know, outweigh any benefit, but we had a good, good result and hopefully we can get her feeling better. But my point is we're all trying to help these folks and having PAD is no fun. Having critical limb ischemia is no fun. So, you know, we want to do what we can for them. Sorry. I just done with the soapbox. I will be stepping down. I'll be quiet the rest of the show. I promise. No, I, I actually appreciate that because that is, you know, what I've been experiencing as well. And the number one thing that I I look for when, you know, with my nonprofit that is a patient advocacy organization is the best care transcends across practices that if you have someone that is passionate about saving life and limb, 
And if life and limb are already on the line, that they're willing to go the extra effort to just give them another day, give them another day, give them another day. You know, you wouldn't tell a cancer patient that, you know what, we're not going to do this therapy because there are too many risks. Yeah, it'll give you two days, but the risks outweigh the benefits. But yeah, it'll at least give you two more days. It's a big, expensive procedure. There's one called a shake and bake. But you're not going to tell a mother of three young children that she can't have three more days with the kids because you know, you just don't agree with it. No, no, it, it, it you're a hundred percent, you know, I never even, I, I never thought to compare what we do to, to cancer, but it's similar, right. With the mortality rates. Um, and I know we're, we're coming up on a break here, but I, I, I remember I had a patient who had a large triple a like your mom did. Okay. And he wanted me to fix the triple a. Well, he also had a metastatic, um, colon cancer to his liver. And I thought, well, you know, we, we want to make sure that there's going to be at least the patient's going to live at least a year before we put them through a procedure that's very expensive. And, um, and the oncologist said, well, we're going to keep treating him and, you know, he might live a year. He might not. So I don't know what you're worried about. I'm paraphrasing, but I never thought about it that way. I'm like, Hmm. Okay. <laughs> and so, you know, we did the procedure, fixed his aneurysm and two years later, he's still alive. So I love the analogy. Um, but yeah, we're, I think everybody's doing the right thing here. So we are. And speaking of the right thing, we're going to get started with our topic of the day: allergies and our blood and inflammation. So we're going to tie those all together. Stay with us right here on the Heart of Innovation. Don't go away. Leg health can indicate risk for heart attack, stroke, and amputation. If you have leg pain or cramps while walking, get checked for peripheral artery disease, or PAD. PAD is plaque buildup in mainly the leg arteries. Be sure to ask your physician for an ankle brachial index, also called an ABI test, where they use blood pressure cuffs to analyze the blood pressure in your legs. If they discover you have arterial plaque that's limiting blood flow to your feet, medicine and a regimented walking program are frontline treatment. If PAD is in its advanced stages, your physician may schedule a surgical intervention. Minimally invasive tools are available to remove plaque and restore blood flow, including cardiovascular system's Diamondback 360 atherectomy system, which sands away plaque that is a hard calcium. It's important to discuss all options with your physician, and if told you have no options, get a second opinion. Take a stand against amputation. For more information, go to standagainstamputation.com. That's standagainstamputation.com. Welcome back to The Heart of Innovation. For more on today's topic, go to theheartofinnovation.org. That's theheartofinnovation.org. Once again, here's Emmy Award-winning journalist Kim McNicholas and interventional cardiologist Dr. John Phillips. Hi, everyone. I think we're back. So we are going to move things forward. This is the most interesting show, John, I think that we've had yet. (laughs) It, it was bound to happen, right? Like we've had, I think, very pristine, smooth, crisp shows up. Into, and you know what? Whatever. There's a few uh, wrinkles here. So we're going to this is live live radio. We're going to do the best we can. And uh, let's get talking about allergens and, and histamines and anaphylaxis. <laughs> yes. So, everyone, today we are going to be talking about um, allergies. In the first block, I was saying that one of my interests in um Allergies really came from my own personal experience, and I ended up at a cardiologist because my heart was racing, I couldn't breathe, it wasn't my asthma, and I was thinking, what the heck is going on here? And I ended up getting in touch with Nurse Janara Iman Thomas. Thank you so much. You have literally 
gave me so much peace of mind. <laughs> oh, well, thank you, Kim. That's what I try to do. <laughs> it, it usually works out that way, but not always. You know, as, as you guys were discussing, there's so many complications in every kind of situation. But I do work with a lot of complicated patients. And so I, I really enjoy finding ways to bring them back to feeling happy, relieved, um, even able to sleep at night. You know, yeah. you were, you were talking about some of your symptoms and, and that evening time where, you, where some allergy patients, especially if they have heart problems or diabetes, when they get overheated, and then they don't sleep and they're, 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 it's, it's interesting how histamine responses can cause a lot of, um, insomnia as well as, as, you know, other problems, just, just reacting to the life around them. And it depends on how bad they are. So, I mean, sometimes I get kids in here and they're completely anaphylactic to, you know, an egg or a peanut or something like that. And it's, more cut and dry, easier to treat nowadays, simple avoidance. And then they're happy as clams. And then other people are much more complicated. Um, and even go as far as having something called mast cell, um, sy- syndrome. It's, it's, um, it's an overload of histamine where the yeah. mass cells in your body just don't know when to shut off. And that happens over time. And in, in other connecting, um, problems that you have or issues that you have with your health can also contribute to that. And so I have a patient, um, this week who's been an ongoing patient and working with another doctor outside of where I work, but comes in as a referral allergic to the world. And we just couldn't figure it Sounds out. Like Why? <laughs> Yeah. Why is this patient allergic to the world? And so mass you should, like you could be that bubble person. Like we should just put you in a bubble. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like we just push yeah. you around. <laughs> well, Kim gave me permission to use some of her information if I wanted to. <laughs> so speaking of that bubble, how do you get away from dust mites, right? The minute you exactly. just poke a hole in that bubble because you're running out of oxygen, you know. The outside world comes in and all you're, you're doing is giving a little fodder for those little fellas to, to eat and, and, you know, proliferate thousands by the hour. So, you know, you, you do a lot of remediation in your environment, but at the same time, you want to take down that histamine response in the process. And yeah, well, so. And, and coming up here on the heart of innovation, I want to get to the very, very beginning and help people to understand. You mentioned a little bit about those mast cells and, and the histamine response in the body. I want to get to the basics of that. I think that that's really important to walk people through. Let's start with the environmental inhalants, and then we'll go into the food allergies and how all of that comes together into your blood dream, which is where that you know, immune response happens and the little army of histamines go to, you know, combat <laughs> things that they don't like. So don't go away. Stay with us. So much more to come right here on the Heart of Innovation. 
three years ago, my symptoms started with leg pain and leg cramps while walking. Me too, with a tightness in my calves. Well, do you know, my doctor thought that my leg cramps were a side effect of the statin he prescribed me. Well, my doctor just brushed them off as another symptom of old age. Mine thought the pain was radiating from my spine. My doctor blamed my neuropathy on diabetes until I got a wound on my foot that just wouldn't heal. Yeah, it turns out we all have peripheral artery disease, also known as PAD. It's plaque buildup mainly in the leg arteries causing poor circulation. For me, the diagnosis came too late and I lost my leg, but that does not have to happen to you. No, it does not, because there are treatment options available if you're diagnosed early enough. PAD, peripheral artery disease. If you've been experiencing leg pain, leg cramps, or neuropathy when walking, and your doctor isn't hearing you, we are. We are the way to my heart, the largest support network for peripheral artery disease patients. And we want to help you get back on your feet again. Visit our website at thewaytomyheart.org or call our LegSaver hotline, 415-320-7138. Your life and limb could depend on it. Welcome back to The Heart of Innovation. For more on today's topic, go to theheartofinnovation.org. That's theheartofinnovation.org. Once again, here's Emmy Award-winning journalist Kim McNicholas and interventional cardiologist Dr. John Phillips. Hi, everyone. And we are talking about allergies and allergies and allergies and how they get in the bloodstream and how the blood's involved and, and this kind of thing. We're with Janara Iman Thomas, and she is a nurse that focuses on allergies, both the diagnosis and treatment of using advanced tools and techniques. But before we get into some of those advances in, in medicine with allergies, I think, Janara, we should start from the very beginning. Let's talk about that army of histamines. Whether you end up with an environmental inhalant or whether you have some sort of foodborne allergy, what happens in the body? So when you're first exposed to something that the body does not like, um, gets into the blood and your immune system gets kicked into gear. And right away, um, it sends out a little, you know, signal. We don't belong here. You don't belong here. And it, it activates the immune system. It sends a signal to your mast cell, which is, we call it, you'll see it in an allergy test. It's an IgE response. That is translated means histamine response. So histamine is, is what I call the little soldier. And, and if you've got a lot of this going on, you might end up with an army of histamine coming out to try to regulate that foreign substance in your blood. Your blood knows exactly what's supposed to be there. And when it sees something that doesn't belong there, and that could be anything from a, a pathogen to, to, you know, an allergen, a pollen. It could be food that comes through into your blood, through your digestive system, basically your small intestine. But once it gets into the blood, this is where that activation of that histamine response is. And the histamine's job is to neutralize that, put out the fire. Um, once, if your body's seen it for the first time, it makes an antibody. And once you have that antibody, it will send a signal when it sees it again. And so eventually these sensitivities turn into major responses and, you know, eventually can be allergies. So this histamine response can, 
can create a lot of various symptoms. And depending on how healthy you are or what kind of exposure that you're having in the moment is how severe your symptoms are going to be. And that could be anywhere from a simple um, because it's, it opens up and swells up the arteries. So then you feel, you can feel swelling on the skin. You can feel itchiness. You can feel, um, if you're inhaling something from the outside, you'll feel those itchy red eyes and sneezing. And then some people don't have that response at all because they have been repeatedly exposed to this kind of a thing over and over and over again, whatever that antagonist is. And eventually, your immune system stops sending you direct single signals, and you 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 begin to have an inflammatory response, and it's more internal. So I have people that come into my office and they say, "I don't have any allergies, but my my wife says I need to be tested because I snore at night." So it turns out that that usually. I go in there with expectations. Okay, maybe we'll find one or two things. And there'll be a barrage of things. And usually it's an environmental situation at that point. Because you know when you're eating a food, you do have a more of a direct reaction. But one thing that's not commonly known is the cross-reactivity between your outside pollens and molds. And by the way, we're in super bloom right now. So people who felt like they weren't having such severe symptoms or... They're getting their allergies under control. I'm feeling it worse this year. And so we had all that rain, and then we had a lot of super mold growth too. And that mold growth is, you might call a super bloom. And then we had a lot of wind. It dried, and it's blowing in the air. And an uncommon piece of information is that is that most molds can be airborne, and they also mix with pollen. So if you have a sensitivity to a mold, and then you have a sensitivity to a pollen, and some of those are cross-reacting with foods that you have a sensitivity to, you're having an overreaction. And eventually, um, you come to an allergist. <laughs> What's so funny is, so yesterday, we're on the phone preparing for the show, and I'm sitting there, and my heart is racing again, and I'm having some trouble breathing, and I'm just trying to get over it at that point. I'd taken a Benadryl, so I'm like, what is going on? I only had a salad and um, it didn't even have any chicken on it. Turns out I'm a little allergic to chicken, which I had no idea. But yeah, we got to get you in a bubble, right? <laughs> I, had, I had blue cheese on there, and she's like, "Kim, you have a mold allergy. Why are you eating blue cheese?" And I said, "I didn't put two and two together." She's like, "Seriously, what is blue cheese made of?" <laughs> it's true. I was staring at her chart, and it was it was just really a. a so let yeah. me ask you this, Janara, when you yeah. like meet a, a patient for the first time and they, you know, cause you hear about, let's well, going to test you for allergies, right? I mm -hmm. mean, can you walk us through that process? And I mean, there's obviously a lot of allergens out there and I mean, you can't test everybody right. for everything. So you, you, I imagine through the history, you kind of hope, you try to narrow down what it might be and then kind of use a shotgun ish approach to attack it yeah. or test it, I should say. Yeah, well, that's good. 85% of the people that come into my office come in to get tested for foods. But I do a pretty good intake in the beginning where, you know, it's, it, it's half an hour. It, you're in my office for a very long time, um, because of the way we test. So, so I'm doing an intake for a half an hour and we're getting more and more information as the patient's talking. 
And I'm starting to see symptoms and cross reactivities where I, I start leading into the environment, you know, for, because for instance, if you're allergic to grasses, you could also have a tomato allergy or, or a white potato allergy just from the cross reactivities, even to oranges, by the way, which are a high histamine food. I know they're great, you know, vitamin C, we take them when we have a cold, but they're also a high histamine food. So there's an interesting correlation between how histamine works in our system. But through that initial, um, um, you know, intake, we talk about, okay, most people are there on their insurance. So the insurance usually allows two testings a year and we do them pretty in-depthly. So then I start to prioritize I like to do some foods and some environmentals, depending on the symptoms that are presented in front of me um, in the intake. And I got to say, 95 to 98% of the time, somebody's allergies to their environment is at least two to three times stronger than their food sensitivities and their allergies. And so I got to say, where did they start? And so by treating both ends of the spectrum, the foods and the environment, we're able to sort of tamp down that histamine response in a greater way sooner. And so that's how I, I, I begin the testing process. We start, we start prioritizing and then we get into let's do some foods and let's do, and let's do some environments. When Kim came in, um, she wanted to do more foods because she's having an immediate reaction to them. And so I said, okay, let's throw in a few environmentals that I could see were triggers. And she was a perfect case of that. Her environmentals were far higher than her foods, except for that cross reactivity causes a greater response to the food sensitivity. And we're just, I'm just seeing this over and over again over the past 15, 20 years. It's just, um, it's astounding and, and we're getting more and more knowledge of, of, you know, of how that happens and how that works. And then if you have any other underlying conditions that are compromising your immune system or challenging your immune system, then you're, you're also going to, the two, your allergies and that will, will, you know, your immune system's trying to decide which one should I work on first. And so you may notice that it will work on the worst one, and then your allergies will maybe take second fiddle. So, um, Coming up right here on the Heart of Innovation, we're going to hear more from Nurse Janara Iman Thomas about allergies and different treatment options, how she goes about getting you back, not sneezing anymore. <laughs> Stay with us. Welcome back to The Heart of Innovation. For more on today's topic, go to theheartofinnovation.org. That's theheartofinnovation.org. Once again, here's Emmy Award-winning journalist Kim McNicholas and interventional cardiologist Dr. John Phillips. Welcome back, everybody. We're having a heck of a show today with... uh you know, some technical difficulties, but we keep rolling because that's just who we are, right, Kim? So getting back to our conversation about allergens, my question is, I feel, and again, I'm a cardiologist, so I know very little, if anything, about allergies, but it, it, you feel like people are becoming allergic to things as they get older, um, or at least I hear that sometimes. So my question is, 
Is it the fact that as we age, perhaps our immune system is getting weaker? Is it the fact that we've had now this experience of all this cross reactivity and they're kind of starting to rear their heads? What am I on right track for any of this stuff or is, um, you know, help me out here. You're totally on the right track. And the answer is all of the above. I mean, basically getting older, um, you do have less of an immune response, especially if you have other things going on. And there's always cross-reactivity. And we know this now. We've, there's been the, the allergy and immunology, um, tests and, and, and trials that, that have been carried out have proven this over and over again. So we have long lists of things that are cross-reactive with each other. Um, you know, um, like I gave an earlier example of grasses and potatoes and tomatoes and, and, and even if you have a birch tree allergy, you could have an allergy to carrots, but you may not react in the same way. So maybe what I want to say, let me just jump in there. A little bit of information is that you get an IgE histamine response and an IgG kind of inflammatory response from the immune system when you, when these things are repeated over and over again in your bloodstream. Um, but it takes time for these to dissipate and it takes 72 hours for, for an allergic reaction to completely dissipate in your body. And as you get older, though, you know, everything slows down. Um, that still is the general rule. But when you're younger, you may, you may run through that allergy, um, symptom a lot more quicker than when you're older. So now you have multiple sensitivities or allergies that are, are being affected at, at a particular time. And those are cross-reacting in your blood with histamine responses. And say you have that birch allergy and you ate almonds or hazelnuts and you had an overexposure because you were hiking on the mountain and then you came home and you had, you know, a snack of nuts that overexposure of that cross-reactivity, and that's where that comes in, will sort of ignite a greater response in you, and you will feel that. Where I get patients who say, well, I, I ate this the other day, it was fine, then I ate it today, and I, I could hardly, you know, I could hardly breathe. And so there's a buildup effect, and then as you get older, that increases because of our ability, you know, to have the same immune response as we had when we were younger. And also depending on what is your, your immune system's highest priority for the moment. That's a good point that, and I think that as we get older, we have a lot of different comorbidities. Your immune system is a lot bigger. And I know with me that, you know, during the, you know, the COVID crisis and everything with that, with the vaccines and COVID, you know, a lot of us had, you know, our immune systems were a lot busier. And that could have been one of those things where that's where the allergies started rearing their ugly head a little bit more, or it, it exacerbated those allergies a little bit more during that time because there wasn't enough time or energy or resources in my immune system to be able to handle that. Yeah, that's a good point. And there's another flip side of that. And because I, over the past three years, and this is a non-medical judgment, this is my observation, okay? But just in general, patients that have come in, they have had allergies that were, they were in under control or, you know, yeah. like, like neutralized to a livable point, or they've had other things like, like they say, I've had, you know, even, even, you know, high blood pressure 
boy, I had that under control and now it's worse since COVID. And some people it's worse since COVID, some people it's worse since the vaccine, or they had respiratory things, you know, that were exasperating. It seemed to me like COVID came along and it took such a, it beat up the immune system so much that it kind of kicked into the foreground a lot of underlying conditions that the body had had back in balance, you know, when the immune system was able to deal more with that. And I think the immune system always jumps to the the worst case scenario. And so therefore things start appearing again and, and, and it just becomes overburdened. And then the, you know, it, it's more difficult to get it back on track and back in balance. And like I said, that's been my observation over the last two or three years um, in my office. But, you know, of course, we need a lot of trials. We need a lot of, of testing and information to validate that. So, but, you know, one of the things that I don't like to dis, in, you know, or, or, you know, disclaim for my patients is their personal experiences. And so and this is what I'm seeing. Yeah. Everybody's a little bit different. So yeah. let's let, because our show is about innovation. So let's go yeah. through the process. I'm not sure how much time we have and we can dip into this in the next um segment but so how do you and i'm just picking I'm, i love peanuts by the way i mean i don't know how anyone could have peanuts <laughs> so tasty but let's say you have a kid with peanut allergy you're an adult with a peanut allergy are you able to get them over that peanut allergy with some of yeah. the things that you're doing and and if so tell us about them okay so i can i can get usually i mean i, I don't want to make you know claims that I, that I can cure a peanut allergy that that's to an anaphylaxis extent, but that's one, something we'd want to focus on. Um, the way we test is different than say your standard blood test or your scratch test, because in those tests, you get a yes, no, a mild, medium, or a high. You get those answers. We get that, those answers too, but then we go further and we're putting further dilutions on the arm. We test on the arm. And, you know, always 20 times more diluted than the first one where we started. And that's where we started is determined by the interview, by the way. So in doing that, we go to the non-reactive dose. Now, if I have a case of anaphylactic peanuts, I'm going to start in my system, you know, three or four times more diluted than I normally would. In somebody coming up right here on yeah. the heart of innovation. Oh, good cliffhanger! You got to stay with us <laughs> to hear the rest of the story and how to help even you or your kids. So stay with us. Welcome back to the heart of innovation. For more on today's topic, go to theheartofinnovation.org. That's theheartofinnovation.org. Once again, here's Emmy Award-winning journalist Kim McNicholas and interventional cardiologist Dr. John Phillips. Welcome back to the Heart of Innovation. We have about four minutes left, another fascinating show. So before we went to break, Jenny, you were kind of telling us about the the testing process and how you guys are a little bit more um, kind of uh, broader based than maybe somebody else. So please continue that and then we'll go into the treatment. Okay. Yeah. I was, we were using an example of maybe a child who had an anaphylactic to peanuts and, and how we would test. So we would test a lot. We would specifically test in a more diluted fashion so that we could determine 
actually where that non-reactive dose is, and sometimes it is three to four times higher than just an average severe peanut allergy dose. Once we get to that non-reactive dose, that is a treatment dose. That is the amount of something that your body no longer reacts to. And if I have to go out 11 times, I will do that until I get that response. So eventually, you're, because you're having such a mast cell overload in your body, um, eventually, if you give the body something, the immune system, something it can actually work with. And so, you know, if you were to use the, the example of a tennis ball and, and a pinhead, that the pinhead would be the amount of the, the antigen that we would be using as a treatment dose rather than, you know, the tennis ball. I mean, sometimes you have to go that far out, but eventually over time, giving the immune system something to work with, it will work with it because the body wants homeostasis. So it'll bring it back to normal. So that's the difference in this testing where um, we, we go through the interview, we pick the, we prioritize the, the items that we're going to test and we test to the non-reactive dose, and then each person gets a custom-made antigen therapy bottle, sublingual antigen therapy bottle, based on their personal testing. And by the way, this test is it, it, the, the accuracy of this test has been proven to be repeatable over and over again over the last 50, 60 years. So clinically, it's really sound, and and that's so, that's the reason insurance will cover it. So we can. And how widespread is it? Because still, when you go to a large HMO or such, they still just use one. They few actually test for for out food allergies. But number yeah. two is they only offer the allergy shots. Where are we at in terms of the availability of this and the adoption of it um, across the board? Okay. Well, the allergy shots, I mean, you'll see if you go online, you'll see skit and slit. <laughs> skit is the subcutaneous method of the shots and the slit is the sublingual. So even, even nowadays, just so there's no confusion, I'll, uh, I would just like to say that even nowadays, the skit doses are put into sublingual because they're so much easier for parents and kids and people to take, but they're not your non-reactive dose. They do desymptomize you though over time. So that's still good. You can still desymptomize to your, you know, your worst allergies. Um, But the idea is to not have to have the fear of running around with an EpiPen for the rest of your life and to be able to eat normally. And so by getting your your individualized um, sublingual drops that... um, are your personalized non-reactive dose over time. We test a year later, then we we change the doses. You know, we, we strengthen them as you get better, but yours might be completely different than the next patient's doses. So that's that's the difference in the testing. And the reason you're not seeing a lot of it is it's very expensive to maintain. It's, it's um, I have thousands of items that I can test in this office and each one is put on individually. It's time consuming. And so a standardized, uh, busy allergy clinic will use more like the blood RAS testing or the scratch tests. And, and you'll get your symptom relief, you know, to, to a large degree, but I get, I get referrals from, from, you know, outside of my area, even where people fly in for this kind of testing, because sometimes this is just what they need. They need something more in depth or they just really want to get to the core of, of, you know, their initial problems. So 
I mean, I think that's the difference in the testing and the difference in the treatments that you were asking about. Um, that this and, is something um, that is going to be growing over time. And if people want to learn more about your testing, see if they potentially could get a teleconsult with you, where can they go to get more information and to potentially get an appointment if they need to? Okay, so so um, um, CMC Marin. Yes, Dr. it's yeah. It's, it's, um, well, do you want me to give you mine, my contact information? Is that what you're asking me for? I'd be happy to. The website is great. And what's your email? Okay. So, so the email is Janara at pmcmarin.com. And the website would be Preventive Medical Center of Marin. And we're a, we're a, we're a clinic and you would, you would go through, you, you would have an initial appointment with the medical director. And Perfect. So- Thank you so much, Janara. We appreciate it. And I appreciate all you do. And I'm feeling much better. And so hopefully um, we can get what your methods are widespread to help other people. Across if you could the just, and if they could just cure my poison ivy reactions too, I'd be super psyched as well. I am. I am working with that with some people. <laughs> Yay. Yeah. Have a great weekend, everyone. Take Thank care. You. You've been listening to The Heart of Innovation with Emmy Award-winning journalist Kim McNicholas and interventional cardiologist Dr. John Phillips. Our mission is to help patients live a better quality of life through comprehensive education, real-time support, and high-touch advocacy in partnership with thewaytomyheart.org and take a stand against amputation. Our purpose is to reduce the 1.5 million heart attacks and strokes and nearly 200,000 amputations annually. For more information regarding topics you've heard discussed on today's program, go to theheartofinnovation.org. That's theheartofinnovation.org. The Heart of Innovation is for educational and informational purposes only, and advice and views shared are not a substitute for medical advice from your own supervising physician. Do not act on any information provided in this show without the explicit consent from your own healthcare team. If you think you are having a medical emergency, call your local emergency number or go to the nearest hospital or emergency room. This show is distributed by the Innovators Network. For more information and other great shows and content, visit theinnovators.network. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.